0: You don't have discipline, make a schedule for yourself because as enticing as it can be to be flexible and you know take a lunch date every single day, if you can't manage your time, then it's going to be really hard for you to stay on track.
1: You are listening to the Live Better Show with Brett and Jason, where we dive into life crushers, changing their game, talking about wellness, and sharing a message of putting plan into action. Live Better is based on five pillars, move better, eat better, think better, give better, and live better. We move for freedom, to do and go where and when we want. We practice good nutrition to combat an age of being overfed and undernourished. We practice mindfulness for ways to live purposefully. We give better as the basis for why we do anything at all, especially when focusing on the health of our clients and community. And at the intersection of it all, we live better. Health and wellness is the sustainable fuel to do whatever it is in life you want to do better. Our guests share their story their mission, and the pursuit of having the best day ever, every single day. Hey! Turn up, bitch! (laughs) The Live Better Show is brought to you by Live Better Retreats. Come join us on an epic adventure where we will fuel your body, your mind, and your spirit to accomplish new goals. This time is the right time for you to join us on an epic Live Better experience. This full immersion opportunity will grant you access to the best in nutrition, wellness, movement, yoga, and an amazing community you will bring home after the trip. Right now, you can join us on a Live Better experience to have the best day ever, every single day. Let's crush it, fam. What up, Live Better fam? Brett here with Remy, super excited to to get into some really cool stuff. Remy's coming off a, a long trip, so we're gonna work through some some travel hacks. We're gonna work through some um, really cool recipes and ideas that she shares on her channels, and we're just really excited to have Remy uh, from New York here with us today. How you doing today, Remy? Doing well,
0: thanks so much for having me today. I'm really excited to uh, chat.
1: Yeah, we're really we're really pumped to, to get into some really fun stuff. So um, just off off the top, you just got done with a pretty uh, extensive travel week. Um, Jason and I obviously do a bunch of travel. So um, with wellness being a key part of what you preach and, and what you stand for, um, what are some ways in which when you're traveling or you're moving around and, and going to fun spots that you can stay on your on your wellness journey?
0: So I think one of the biggest things for me personally is um, food and what I can eat. I'm also vegan, so it adds a little bit of a challenge sometimes. Airports aren't the greatest for that kind of thing. So I would say preparation is my biggest tip and the biggest key for me. I always come with lots of snacks, um, fruits and veggies, and I feel like travel – starts the day before. So for me, I'll avoid um, sodium. I'll try and get in the mindset of adjusting my time zone to wherever the destination is. Um, Little things like that, I think, make a big difference because I don't know if you feel this way too, but no matter how many times I fly and how often I travel, it still gets me every time. Like flights are just killer on the body. So um, yeah, over time, I've just learned to kind of prepare beforehand and just be um, at 100% before I fly so that when I come off the flight, I don't feel as bad.
1: Yeah, I think uh, with all the travel we do, I'm I'm the crazy guy that sits in the corner sitting on like a lacrosse ball or a foam roller or something <laughs> just to keep my body ready. And so interesting, you talked about preparation, I think that for me personally is like the number one way to create success in travel especially because if you just show up to a location and you're like especially you know you and I both have strict um, eating habits whether you're vegan or like I'm gluten-free and uh, do a bunch of things like that it's like you can't just show up and you got to prep what are some like what are some of the things that maybe will, will be in your suitcase in regards to like food or snacks that you'll bring with you, um, on a trip or at least be mindful of like getting when you get off the plane before you start, uh, an adventure?
0: I think the biggest thing for me is, um, definitely water. It's so basic, right? But it's like planes are so dehydrating. That's the number one thing I do. Um, fresh fruits and veggies and snacks that I have with me will usually be just a couple bars in case like to and from transit time. It's just never nice to be hangry. Um, I'm also gluten-free, so it's like you just have to kind of research and find out if where you're going is friendly for whatever it is that you eat. Um, And since you mentioned the lacrosse ball, it's funny because I've actually started to tailor my workouts to, um, you know, we all kind of have a schedule, but I actually keep that in mind when it comes to travel because I will never again do like a really intense heavy leg day and try to push my max before a flight because I've never experienced that kind of soreness and cramping before in my life. So I'll like save that for when I land. But yeah, I try to kind of schedule around that um, hot yoga right after a flight is amazing. It feels great. But yeah, I try to keep that in mind because that's something I've learned, um, especially in the last few months.
1: Yeah, stay off the heavy back squat, deadlift day uh, before the before the flight for sure. <laughs> I think I I can be I can uh, second that. Um, so when you're when you're home, um, and I want to go into more exactly what you're doing and, and what your platform is. But when you're home, um, not when you're traveling, and you mentioned working out and tailoring your workouts and stuff like that. What does um, a typical day or week look like? for you in regards specifically to nutrition and um workouts and then any other like wellness habits whether that's meditation or yoga or detoxification cryotherapy just like any other things like what does a typical week look like when you're not traveling when you have your routine set what does that look like for you
0: so, i'm um a pretty early morning riser um by habit. It's kind of sucks actually sometimes, like no matter how late I go to bed, I'll wake up really early. So I usually start my day around. Five or so, sometimes a little earlier, sometimes a little later. Um, and no matter what, I'll try and get yoga in, even if it's like 10 minutes in the morning or a full class. But even if I'm working out, I'll do a little bit of yoga in the morning. I just feel like it helps you reintroduce mobility. And you know, you're always tight when you wake up, at least I am. Um, sure. I start off with lemon water most days if I can, sometimes a little bit of chlorophyll, but that's just, you know, optional. Um, warm water, lots of hydration. And I used to eat breakfast as soon as I woke up, but now I try to focus on hydration first and then I'll eat a little, a little bit later. So, um, if I'm working out in the morning, I'll try to eat afterwards. I just feel like I feel better not having food moving around in my stomach when I'm working out. Um, but you know, at a certain point, like if I start to push it past 10 AM, then I have to eat something before I work out. So, um, yeah, depending on the morning, uh, I have a pretty flexible schedule because I work from home. So that's kind of nice in that sense. Um, and what else I guess, I have my biggest meal, I would say, in the middle of the day um, just because I feel like I digest the most. So I don't have um, stellar digestion, and I also eat my dinner a little bit earlier to combat that. So I don't have any issues anymore. But, um, yeah, I'm not a late eater. (laughs) I eat dinner pretty early, which makes dinner parties hard sometimes. Um, But, yeah, lunch is bigger. Dinner will be somewhat early, maybe 5 or 6 p.m. And then if I feel like snacking in between, I might have, like, little things here and there. Um, And that's kind of what my day looks like. I try to do primarily yoga in the morning, but then I'll kind of alternate between like heavy lifting, um, a little bit of hit or cardio, and then something functional. So I think that's probably the most fun workout for me personally. Um, and then I try to dedicate at least one or two days a week to a full-on yoga practice, because um, I think it's easy to lose sight of your own practice, especially when you teach um, or you're just kind of stretching, you know, in a leisurely way. So that's kind of what my week looks like. Um, I need to foam roll more often. I don't do it as much, but I really need to do that. And then, as silly as it might sound, I'm trying to incorporate massages into my routine a little bit more, just because I feel like that's an essential part of recovery for me, and um, just maximizes my potential when it comes to working out and hitting goals. So, yeah, that's something that I've been doing recently. And um, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: a good week. Um, I, I, I second you on the foam rolling, and I also second you on the massage. I. My body does very well to like that manual release. And I think there's, like you mentioned, like going to a yoga practice when you teach or when you practice just on your own, so there's just something nice about like stepping into the room and, and setting your mat up and having the energy and the vibe of other people. Um, I think that's, that's just a super interesting thing to just like understand that and have that resonate with you because yoga can be so, so much to so many people. And, um, I love doing yoga. I teach yoga and, um, I think it's, it's something different for everybody. So the stretching piece, the flexibility, the physical aspect is so important. Um, but like you said, sometimes just stepping into a studio and and working on it with other people, have somebody lead you through a flow that you have no idea what moves coming next is there's just something about that.
0: Yeah, it's really nice. And also, I think it's just great for maintaining balance. Like, I feel like because you teach both at Berries and you also teach yoga, you probably understand this, but it's really hard sometimes to... Um, I guess balance progress in mm-hmm. things like deadlifts or squats for example because it's so hard on like your hamstrings and then the next day feeling like you can't even touch your toes and yeah. like oh man like I lost all my yoga practice so I'm really just trying to find the balance I guess um, but I definitely go through kind of phases like sometimes I'll be like wow I'm really into like the weights right now or I'm really into like flexibility um, so yeah I would say in general I just balance a little bit of everything but I'm flexible in that sense I'm not you know 100% yoga or 100% Um, weights and yeah yeah, I feel like it's important too like what's the point of being strong if you can't be mobile too right
1: yeah uh, you're preaching to the choir do you have a specific yoga studio that you like in New York or a couple
0: so um, I really like pure yoga Um, I also really like humming puppy which is like a fairly new one and then I'm a member at Equinox and I have to say in the beginning I was a little bit skeptical because you know they're not really known for their yoga per se yeah. but they have some really great classes if you just look it's for great. different teachers and you you know you can try so many different classes so I feel like you just have to give it a chance and you'll find teachers that you like or that align with what you're looking for.
1: Great, yeah, that's awesome. I, I I go to New York all the time, so it's just fun to always hear what people like to practice because New York's just like the mecca for uh, for yoga, for juice bars, for all that. So I just like love going in and like walking down the street and just finding finding spots to go. You mentioned uh, in one of your previous answers, and I want to get into this stuff now is that you work from home, and so. First off, let's just kind of dive into what you do. Um, And then I want to kind of talk about working from home because a lot of people that listen to this uh, have that flexibility and it's nice, but it can also come with ruts of... Uh, lacking in productivity and getting caught up in doing the laundry instead of doing your work. So first of all, just what exactly um, are some of the projects you're working on right now to kind of kick off the year? And uh, then we can talk about how you stay on track and how you've built what you've been able to do.
0: It's so funny that you mentioned laundry because I just realized I have to pick up my clothes from the dryer in a second. But um, to answer your question, so I, I guess I do a little bit of everything. I like to say I'm like a full-time freelancer in that. Um, and I think most people can say this too, like when you work for yourself, you kind of end up doing a little bit of everything, especially if you're in the creative space, um, the wellness space, it just encompasses so many things. So for me though, primarily that's food photography, which is what I started with, um, recipe development and then wellness slash health coaching. Um, and then I also teach yoga on the side. It's not really, I would say like a big part of my business, but that's something that I do for fun every now and then. Um, and aromatherapy is something that I do as well, just for like a couple clients here and there, mostly for fun. Um, and then on the, I guess behind the scenes side, I do a lot of consulting for brands in the social media space, um, or I'll assist with like restaurant consulting. So just kind of like behind the scenes consulting basically. And then I'll also do content creation for brands and photography in general. So it's, um, more or less all in like the photography and wellness space, I guess, um, yeah, and that's kind of what I do. Um, it's been about a year actually since I quit my job and I used to be a, um, tech consultant actually. And then I left my job after about three months. It was my first, um, real job out of college. So my parents were really shocked and they were like, please, like, at least just stay the year. Um, but you know, I was in a place where it was just not good for my mental health and, um, I actually come from a past of like addiction, um, to substances and alcohol. And so it just started to spiral back into bad habits. And I knew that that was uh, coming from stress and just this unmanageable lifestyle that came with the job that I had. And it really wasn't aligned with my passions at all. So, um, I really just kind of quit for, uh, the purpose of having more time to spend in therapy and work on myself. And then I ended up doing all of this that I do now. Um, and it's kind of just become something that at first was a hobby and felt really natural. And once you kind of, I think, step into the business mindset and think about how you can actually turn it into a business in a strategic way, that's when you really start to see, um, you know, how profitable it can be. And yeah, I think when I knew that I was safe was when I felt like I was making more money than I would have at my previous job. So, that was kind of the validation for me. Um, so, yeah, to answer your other question about what it's like working from home, I would say I definitely agree with you um, <laughs> the laundry. <laughs> um, for me, I think the biggest problem I have is because I use natural light a lot, we kind of have a running joke in my family that – I'm like Shrek. So as soon as the sun goes down, I'm like, oh my God, like I need to get home before the sun goes down. Yeah. And my family doesn't understand why. It's because I really need that natural light before it goes away. So especially right now in the winter, it's a little tougher because the sun sets at like three or four sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's um I think it's all about just staying consistent and really finding a schedule that works for you. If you don't have discipline, make a schedule for yourself because as enticing as it can be to be flexible and you know, take a lunch date every single day if you
1: can't manage your time, then it's going to be really hard for you to stay on track. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Like we were talking before this call, we literally align on like every one of those things you just chatted about. So um, I have like five questions I want to ask, but I will ask them in in order. Um, And I think I'll ask maybe from like some smaller ones just to get the responses. And then we'll dive into some of the deeper ones. First of all, Congrats on leaving your job. Um, like I said, Jason and I have done the same thing, and it's not easy, especially when you have structure and family and so many things either telling you that it's not the best idea or just society in general showing you that this was the track after college to get a job. So I love that. Um, I want to give mad kudos to your photography skills because through your Instagram and just through your food photography, uh, it's, you do a really good job with that. Um, one one quick question or quicker question from the work from home do you use any scheduling tools um, that help you stay on track and, and the one that I use um, like I said to you was a, a Google Calendar invite so I put as much as I can from a structure just into Google Calendar, which is like a simple free tool. Um, are there any other tools that you use, uh, specifically to keep you on track specifically also regarding like the natural light and the golden hour and all those times in which, wow, this is a great time for me to get photos done. Um, do you use any tools to just keep you on track?
0: So I'm a Google Calendar addict. I actually have multiple calendars within my calendar and it's like a rainbow of all the different calendars. Um, it's, I think it would be really embarrassing if someone else saw my calendar, though, because there are definitely certain things in there that seem really obvious, but I just like having it on there. <laughs> um, so with regard to content creation, I have a calendar for that, and I'll try and schedule it for days. Um, I keep the weather in mind, which is kind of weird, but you know, I hate having a day where I'm set to shoot something and then come to find out it's raining and then there's no light. So um, I'll try to keep that in mind and also give myself enough lead time for the deadline, which I also have another calendar for. Um, i have my post dates meetings and calls um, like real life things like social events um, and just like little things like that i also have a calendar for um these kind of like national days for social media so like national best friend day national yoga day things like that uh, which is really helpful for content too um, i also love google sheets and i have way too many of those but that really helps keep me organized so i'll have one with like Um, deliverables for each month and client work and I I just love lists and sheets and calendars so I think we really are the same person (laughs) yeah it's like Um,
1: we are the same human being
0: (laughs) (laughs) as soon as you said google calendar I was like yes (laughs) (laughs) so I use an app called Todoist which is um, it's basically just a to-do app but I like it because I used to make a ton of paper to-do lists, and it's really satisfying to cross those off, but I would, like, lose them. I would end up with, like, tons of sheets of paper in my bag, so I just use this now. Um, I like that you can prioritize it by, like, color, so you can have, like, a high-priority one, a medium-priority one, and a low-priority, and then also you can have, like, recurring ones. So I just love, like, lists, all of that. I'm all about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's... I think it's... What's interesting about that is I think and you mentioned one thing that really resonated with me, and you didn't—you don't have to give an example, but of, like, the small little things. And um, for me, I, I do that every single day. That's like the first thing I do in the morning is, like, write down some of the things that I'm going to be doing throughout the day. Like, I still have the need to cross certain things off a of physical checklist. I'm going to check out that app, and maybe it'll cure that. Um, but – I think there's, it's just like simple things. Like for me, like with the foam rolling is, especially this month was really focusing on creating an evening routine that incorporates a little stretch and a little mobility. And, um, so I wrote out the routine. It's only eight minutes long and it's a couple stretches because I have tight hips and a couple foam roll moves and the satisfaction of crossing that off the list next to my bed is like. I, just literally highlighting it makes me happy. Um, and so that's why I do it. So I think the list idea is just, is, is awesome. Um, and it works. And when you're on your own, you don't have like your manager giving you things you need to do or deadlines that you are given to you. You have to create a lot of that and then you have to back into that with structure. And it sounds like one of the things that you really focus on is like a very systematic approach. And, um, I think one positive, and this will lead into the next question of having a corporate, uh, real-world job, is you see structure in that. Like you have to show up to meetings on time, um, you have to do all these different things, and so I think one of the uh, one another interesting question would just be kind of like through your journey on um, how you left your corporate job. Yeah, so I
0: totally agree with you. I also feel like um, you are your own business, so. Whereas when you're working for a company, you want to make the company look good. You would never show up late to meetings and things like that. But when it's all you, it's um, a representation of you yourself. So, yeah, yeah it's um, totally important to be on top of things, I think. And just it just helps you so much. Like, if you want to be successful, just make it easy for yourself, you know? Yeah, seriously. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, leaving my job was an interesting – I mean, it was – Kind of impulsive, I almost want to say. I um, it happened to be this time last year when I was traveling, and I realized that if I didn't leave my job, I wouldn't be able to function. Like period. So mm-hmm. I wasn't really thinking about money or anything like that. Um, I had enough for like a couple months rent after that, but I wasn't really like, okay, I'm set to go. Like I prepared for this. I did not really prepare the mo- the way that I would recommend most people do. Um, but I think that also added the pressure and kind of, um, was the fuel for me to like make things work, um, or find something that at least made me happy. Uh, but yeah, it was really like a month of healing for me more than anything. I wasn't really worried about making money. I didn't really care about having a job because I was so at this point where I felt like I was going to like fall apart as a person, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, maybe the start was a little bit rough and unusual, um, maybe atypical, but in the end, it worked out. And I feel like if it's supposed to be, um, you'll know. And um, it never hurts to try either, especially when you're young and starting out. So,
1: What was, so you mentioned that there was some self-healing after that. Can you, can you shed some life on what that was? Because I think it's interesting. We deal a lot with, since Jason and I both left our jobs um, we get those questions a lot. How'd you do it? What were some of the things you did? And similarly, for me, it was like there was this, this time in between when I left my job and I had, I had backed into it probably the way that you mentioned most people should was just making sure Live Better worked and making sure I was making money at it so that I could live. And then I was ready to pull the shoot, and I did. But I just remember like the, the couple months after, like a lot of just more like you have more time. So you're more like reflective. And I used that time progressively, thank, thank God. But what were some of the things you were going through kind of during the, that transition um, that maybe the corporate job was like weighing on you um, and then having that freedom has I mean, obviously helped you explode to where you are now?
0: Yeah, so I think, um, I guess my month kind of was, um, the opposite way to the way you described it. So it started off with like my healing. And then, um, because of that, I was able to put time into running my own business. So, um, the way it happened was basically I became so stressed. I wasn't sleeping probably like two hours a day sometimes, um, which really obviously started to take a toll on my mental health and then revert back to old behaviors. So I kind of knew that I couldn't function anymore, um, just day to day, whether or not I was working, uh, because I was definitely going to fall back into like addiction and um, substance use. And so I really just left um, with the intention of going to therapy every single day. And that's what I did, especially for that first week. Um, I did like full on eight hour days, um, went to treatment again, and it kind of sucked. But I think when you're focused on something like that, and you realize that your life may or may not be okay after that then that's really all you can think about and so the job was kind of like okay you know at that point I was doing it for a hobby but I was like well but I was like well I was like well I do well I do um so I'm gonna post a couple things here and there I'm gonna spend time working on photography because I can um so I think because I healed myself as a person it allowed me to then be in the right mindset to do something successfully like at all um so yeah I guess the way you described it, I would say, is more normal and more preferred. <laughs> but for me, it was kind of like a backwards situation. Um, but, yeah, the intention, I think, is the same.
1: Yeah, that's that's very powerful. I think uh, the main thing I draw from that is that you, and and this is a thing that I, as Live Better, when we run, when we run retreats and I, I love to share, is this concept of self-love. And you have to and I mean you're just a spitting image of it. You took time and a decent amount of time, a full month, eight hours a day, dedicated to yourself, because you know that once you are healed, like for you, it was like physically, um, you'll be able to give more out to others. And and now you've done that. And so I think this idea of self-love is not being selfish. It's not that you are putting yourself before other people. It's that you're priming yourself to be your best self to then give more than you ever could. And so I just give you mad props for For realizing that, especially at a young age, uh, and especially when you're in the midst of change with a new career. Um, So do you have any insights into just like self-love and ways you continue to give yourself that love? Because once you transition into the new job, into your job, into your career that you're creating stress levels are, are skyrocketing because everything you do, like you mentioned, if you're late for a meeting, it does not represent your consulting job. It represents you. So what are some self-love tactics that you use now or just some things that you've learned um, through through that period of your life?
0: Um, so I think I would say self-love. Um, for me, I think what's important to know is that, or at least this is my philosophy on just being happy and being, um, able to love yourself is that everything that you need to be happy needs to come from within you. Um, anything external is like a nice to have, but it really needs to be solid on the inside first. Um, and that sounds really crunchy, but like, I think, there are certain times where people will think that you know a different job will make them happy. A lot of people think that quitting their job and being able to freelance or do their own thing will make them happy. And for most people, that might be the case. But I don't think that that will last unless you know for a fact that that's what's making you unhappy. Oftentimes, it's something within you that's triggered by the job that you have. So maybe it's knowing that your job doesn't allow you to be as creative as you would like to be or it's not a field that you're passionate about. And then you need to find what that is. Um, it's not really just about the job if that makes sense so I think um, sometimes we focus on external things that we want to change even though we're ignoring the fact that there's something within us that needs to be worked on yeah so I hope that answers the question but I think totally yeah me personally it was like I just need to be okay and happy by myself whether or not I have a good job or not you know why don't I like the job? Is it because I don't have the energy to do that? I'm not a hundred percent. Is it because I hate the field that I'm in? I feel like there's no purpose in the business I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I think really becoming in touch with yourself and just like listening to yourself and trying to ignore all the externals, um, tap into learning more about yourself and knowing exactly what you need to thrive, the environment that you need, the person that you are when no one else is around, you know,
1: have you read the book called the four agreements?
0: Yes, it's been a
1: while, though. (laughs) Yeah, because it's a book I recommend to everybody, and what you just said is the book. Um, And it's it's, it's incredible because it's about the fact that you are in the driver's seat, and anything external that gets you upset is just you letting that affect you because there's something going on within you. Um, And I think coming from your background and having to go through addiction and now being sober, uh, that's a a very tough self-realization to say, this is on me. This is my uh, issue. This is not whatever crutch I'm using to make me feel good in the short term. And sobriety is something that I think you have to master that. Now, people are dealing with that that aren't necessarily addicted to a specific substance um, it might be their work, like you said, that, oh, I come home from work and I'm upset and I feel bad. Well, that's because you are the one that gets up in the morning, puts on your shoes and walks into that job. Um, you're the one that's deciding to go there. People like, just think that, like oh, I, I have to go. It's like, no, you're going. Like You can leave. You can stop. Um, uh, what were some of the learnings you had from your addiction, um, if, if we can go into that and, and that, how that has helped you grow um, into the person you are right now and maintaining your sobriety. I think that's a, it's a very powerful message to share. And it's something that a lot of people are going through that aren't willing to speak about. Um, so I'd love to, to tap into that a little bit.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, So I think it actually started for me because I grew up living in Asia for the majority of like my middle school and high school years. So it started pretty early on. Um, I had like a whole host of mental issues before the addiction kind of started, but um, really like in Asia, the country that I lived in at the time, you could go to clubs and drink and buy alcohol without an ID of any kind. And they really, I mean, there is an age limit, but it's not really enforced. Um, So it's just I mean, that's not a good situation to be in, right? Like, bad things are bound to happen. But um, long story short, it was pretty normal for us to go clubbing. I think I went to my first club at age, like, 15, maybe, 14, 15. Um, And I really started drinking then. It was, like, a normal thing. And I guess, like, maybe there wasn't anything better to do, but it would be, like, Thursday through Sunday I would be – at the club every single night with friends and, um, people who I guess were interested in drinking and doing that same kind of thing. So it wasn't a great crowd to be in, especially if you have existing mental health issues, like putting yourself in that situation is not great, but that's what happened. Um, and I think a big part of it for me was that I had moved to that new city from another city where I was
1: yeah i don't know what's going on my my connection's fine i don't i i was gonna say i don't think it's me like i'm in my space where i always do this but you're just like talking and just like stops and i'm like oh she's just talking into nothing (laughs) right now
0: that's so weird yeah i never had this problem either
1: yeah it's weird um you were just saying when you got cut off that you had just moved to a new city
0: Okay. Yeah. So I had just moved to a new city and I think I was using drinking as a means of escaping from my personality of being very introverted and shy. And so, you know, I felt like I could connect with people without having to be uncomfortable like I could really lean on it as a crutch and like all of a sudden I was social all of a sudden I was extroverted um, making friends and then sometimes it'd be kind of weird because the friends that I made I couldn't really remember why we'd become friends when I was sober um you know I had to remember like what do we actually have in common and it really wasn't anything besides like partying and drinking so kind of a weird situation and not great and that was kind of the foundation of it but I think what I learned from it when I didn't have that anymore was that you know in the beginning I lost a lot of my friends because their only interest we're going out. So even when um, I was starting to get sober, it was difficult for me to hang out with them because, you know, their life kind of revolved around going out. And to be fair, mine did too. So it was weird for me to all of a sudden expect them to want to go to yoga or do something where drinking wasn't involved. And so um, what it forced me to do is, I guess, learn to look for the kind of people that really resonate with who I actually am. It's almost like I had a reintroduction to myself because I had never known myself before that without alcohol. Um, and not everyone does that. I know that there are a lot of people who can drink and they're still the same person. But for me being so introverted and shy, it was like, I guess it was an escape for me. And then it would be overwhelming at the same time because it wasn't something that I could actually deal with. Like For me, I'm really big on energies and I think I give a lot of it away easily and I'm exhausted by that. And I guess I would use alcohol and substances as a coping mechanism for what I was feeling when I was feeling withdrawn. And so now um, I'm really mindful about just making sure that I'm not overdoing it. Um, I'm not giving away too much of my own energy because that's kind of when I start to fall apart personally. Um, And, you know, it's great because I feel like I can hang out with people who drink. I can... Go to clubs even and just enjoy that because I now know myself and where all of that came from. I don't feel intimidated by, you know, alcohol and the pressure. Um, I think this is the first time in my life where I'm really comfortable with who I am as a whole. Um, and, you know, I don't really care what people think. I'm so open on social media that I have to translate that into real life too and just, like, not care what people think and be my authentic, my true self all the time. And um, I think that's a big part of being. Happiness. Uh, sorry, not being happy. <laughs> so, being happy and finding self-love too is just knowing who you are and trying to be authentic all of the time and in everything that you
1: do. Yeah, uh, that's. Uh, thanks for sharing that. I think it's uh, sometimes not easy to talk about that stuff, but I just appreciate your, your uh, willingness to be candid and honest because um, the latter half of that is something I have to agree with. I, I never really felt that I suffered the addiction because I am extroverted, but. Um, As some of our listeners know, I was like a nut job in college Like crazy partier And people that meet me now just see my Instagram feed And see me at Barry's and see me working out and running around And they just think, oh, he's always been a fitness guy But uh, like, I I was so caught up in the social scene And I, I drank every night in college Like My senior year, I think I went out probably like six nights a week um, it was nuts. It was nuts. And looking back on it, um, during that transitional phase, like you mentioned where I was like, this isn't what I want to do anymore. Like I, I, I have friends that I know why I have friends, but like, I want to be active and run around and do stuff. And I don't want to get up at noon. Like I, I just don't want to do that. And so I went through this little struggle where, uh, my friends who I was friends with, I knew I was, uh, it was hard because they wanted to go out and I wanted to get up and go for a run at 8 a.m. And so I, I really resonate with that. And I think a lot of people that I speak with and help and coach go through that same phase at, at some point of their life, some earlier, some later, um, where they're like trying to make this change. And um, the the quote I always go back to is, we are the product of the five people we spend the most time with. And if you aren't willing to make sure that those people are your support system you have to change that like it's again like you made the conscious effort to get help to do what you wanted to do and uh that that really resonates so that's that's awesome that you've been able to do that and and hold that up and and it just shows that it works
0: yeah and i think it also comes back to just knowing that you have to find happiness within yourself like if you do lose friends it can feel really lonely especially when you're going through something so transformative but knowing that you have to be okay with being alone like if you were to be all by yourself. Could you be happy? Like that's really important, I think, for just finding happiness in general.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that that just coming back to, to being yourself and, and loving that is super important. Um, kind of backtracking just a little bit um, because we get so many people that listen and want to start our, their own career and do their own thing. Um, because you kind of just jumped right in, what did like month two and month three and month four look like after you were grounded, centered in yourself, and now it's like, all right, it's time to turn up. Like we got to go at this. <laughs> how did you like? How did you start all of this? Like you have got five different things going on, all of which seem to be doing very well. Uh, the approach you just laid out to me was like with the Google invites and the spreadsheets and all that was like you have systems in place. It's a real thing. What did those first few months look like um, to kind of get the ball rolling uh, to create some consistency in your life? Um, and to start a business
0: yeah so a lot of that for me was planning just sitting down and looking at things from you know a realistic standpoint how much do I need month to month how much will I need to make in order to cover my expenses how much do I want to make each month as like profit too Um, and then what are my goals for like the big picture and maybe the year, for example. So I guess in the beginning, I was really just focused on like, okay, how can I make ends meet for now? How long do I have until I really need to like bust my ass? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and from there on, I just kind of started to think about okay, the different ways that can be profitable. I considered maybe a part-time job, and then also doing my own thing, um, and then you know just being flexible and open to different kinds of things because you just never really know how it's going to go. And I think for me, it was like little steps. So I would have like small milestones and then larger goals and then kind of like working your way up the ladder, but every day doing things that were um, somehow bringing me closer to those milestones. So for example, if it was, uh, that I wanted to write for a specific health magazine, maybe the first couple of steps were, you know, find a contact there, come up with a really solid pitch and then start working on the piece like draft, like really just step by step. Yep. Um, and that's kind of how I went about it in the beginning. And then from there, I started to build my systems of like, okay, here's how I usually approach, um, talking to a magazine or speaking with like a publication when I want to write for them. Here's how I would approach a brand. Um, and then I also think it's really important to just get to know yourself as a business. So, Maybe you have a friend of yours critique your business or a stranger, which is even really more helpful sometimes, and just find all the holes, find all the gaps, really settle into what your niche is. And sometimes, this is something that I struggled with a lot in the beginning, um, between being more general and more specialized, sometimes it's helpful to be more niche and sometimes it's helpful to be open to everything. Um, So I guess like just trying everything and just being open to it because that's really like your time to experiment and play around with what it's gonna be like in the future.
1: Do you have any specific examples for the, um, being general versus being more niche that works yeah, for you? So,
0: um, I guess like Instagram is a good example for that just to get, you know, more on yep. like a macro level. So, um, when I think about Instagram in the very beginning, I was only posting pictures of vegan food, like period. There are no pictures of my face, nothing else, no yoga, not at all. And so it's like kind of weird now looking back. But that was my niche, and I'm also gluten-free, but in the beginning, I was like, well, maybe that's too much of a hole I'm putting myself into because I'm already vegan, which is pretty restrictive when it comes to brands I can work with. But then I was like, well, you know, I like have to say that I'm gluten-free at some point. <laughs> so then later down the line, I was like, okay, I'm also gluten-free. And of course, that's not going to appeal to everyone, but then I think who it does appeal to is going to be a really tight-knit community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a really strong consumer base, too, because you are now an expert in exactly what people are coming to you for and they trust you and they're willing to, you know, buy into whatever it is you're promoting or trying to share and they want to support you. And then later on, I was like, okay, now I'm talking a little bit of yoga, a little bit of wellness, a little bit of sobriety, but I'm still very much in a box when you think about things in, the grand scheme of wellness, you know, I can't promote paleo products. I can't do like anything collagen, even though that's huge right now. Um, can't do anything that isn't gluten-free, no way, no dairy, nothing like that. So it can be hard because, you know, there are great deals out there that I have to turn down, Mm -hmm. but I've also been picked for certain deals that I would never dream of having been picked for at my level because I'm so specific and exactly what they're looking for. So, um, it kind of goes both ways. I think it's like a blessing and a curse, but you just have to embrace whatever path you decide to go down and I think it is valuable to be you know specialized in something because there are so many people out there doing everything these days
1: yeah that was a, that was a perfect example uh something that I'm, I'm trying to work with right now so that was, that was really helpful um, how is it being vegan why would you decide to do that how long have you done that um and let's let's talk just a little bit about that from a nutritional perspective
0: yeah so um I've been vegan for about four years now And it really started with um, a dairy allergy. I kind of suspected that I had a dairy dairy allergy because I would always have stomach aches. That's always been an issue for me um, since I was young. I would randomly throw up in the middle of the night on most days, and especially when I traveled to places that were more dairy heavy. So um, like I remember one time I was in Amsterdam, and I guess I was probably eating more cheese than normal, like pizza, cheese on bread, whatever. Um, The cheese was good. (laughs) (laughs) I was sicker than ever. Like I think it was nine nights in a row that I had woken up in the middle of the night and thrown up. And I was like, something's off and I don't know what it is, but I was like, okay, I have a hunch that's dairy. So I'm just going to try and cut that for a week. And I think, you know, by nature of looking for dairy-free recipes, I ended up making mostly vegan recipes because in a lot of ways they're very similar. Um, And then I was like, you know, I'll just experiment with cutting meat out too, because I felt so good after removing dairy. Um, And it was incredible. I never expected to feel an actual noticeable change in the way that my digestion was and just how I felt energetically. But I really like, I tried, I think it was like a piece of chicken breast, something very simple. Um, after that one week of no meat, no chicken. And, um, I felt it immediately. I felt like sluggish weighed down, like my digestion wasn't having it. So I was like, okay, maybe it's better for me to just stick with the plants. And pretty much from then on, I just stayed vegan. Um, so I would say it was for health reasons personally in the beginning. And then the more I start to become familiar with the ethics and, um, you know, the environmental impact and the benefit and, of course, the animals, like that started to grow on me. And that's, I think, what kept me vegan, because I do see a lot of people who try vegan for maybe a health reason or a health condition, and it doesn't really stick with them. And I think that's because they haven't made that connection to the other parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think from a nutrition standpoint, though, I would just say I think we can all agree that more plants are good for you. Like lots of plants are important in almost every diet, whether like are paleo, keto, or like whatever. So um, yeah, I think that's probably the most important thing. But just finding what feels good for you. I know everyone's different. So if it doesn't feel good for you, like find something that works. And you know, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I it's it's cool. I, I set a some sort of nutritional challenge for myself every month, and to Round out 2018, I did uh, just vegetarian for the month. Um, and before that, I eat a bunch of meat, but it's all the highest quality, grass fed, organic. And I was like, I just want to try this. My wife's a vegetarian, she's been doing it for years, and I haven't gone back yet. So, uh, <laughs> That's it, yeah, it's and I and for the amount that I work out and put my body through stress and how good I feel, like just like you mentioned, I was like. This is crazy. And I had one – I had a couple friends over and made uh, like a, uh, a gluten-free like pasta dish that I made, and they all eat meat. So I made meatballs, and uh, I, made, I ate one just because I was like, oh, it's, it's past December, so I'll try it. And it was like it was kind of good but it wasn't like as good as I thought it wasn't like oh I haven't had sugar in six weeks so I'm gonna have a <laughs> brownie uh, and I was like oh, I was like I don't really need this so like I've been sticking with it and I and I feel really good um, I guess some of the some of the deeper questions is with the amount of working out that you do and yoga and lifting uh, I would say like, what what's just like a day look like from a food perspective being vegan Um Uh, like you mentioned, you like to eat breakfast and all that. Like, what do you, what would just be like if you had an average day of food, what does it look like?
0: So I'm a smoothie girl. I like love sweet breakfast. So I'll usually do a smoothie and then, I mean, smoothies are great because you can really fit everything in there and it still tastes good. So I'll put like a ton of spinach, a ton of kale. Um, I'll add like usually a plant protein of some kind, flax seeds, hemp seeds, like really just everything, um, throw it in there. And then I'll have that usually for breakfast. And then I might have something else if like I have a really, really intense workout and I just want something after that um, or before. And then for lunch, um, which is usually my bigger, Meal. i really like lentil pasta that's been like one of my favorite finds since going vegan for sure uh, i'll do that or i'll do some kind of like um maybe like root vegetables with like some kind of plant protein i really like tempeh a lot um or i'll do like what else I usually have? like sweet potatoes like just kind of um Focusing on one plant protein, like similar to the way you would if you weren't vegan, you know, like maybe you focus on having like either a chicken or a sacred fish, for example, and then like filling my plate with just like really colorful vegetables. And then I try to have a salad almost every single day because I feel like that's another opportunity to just put everything in a bowl that you need. Um, And I kind of think of it as like hitting different goals for the day too because it's just, I don't know, I mean, it's a fun way to think about it, but it really is important to. Hit all the nutritional needs that your body has especially when you know you're putting it through so much stress every day. So, um yeah, plant proteins I would say are definitely important to me, but you know, I don't go crazy with it. I don't have protein powder every single day because in general I do eat pretty high protein like a lot of tempeh, a lot of lentil pasta, beans, um nuts and seeds. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's great. I think it's just uh people think that you need to eat meat for the protein and if you're working out and the, the explosion of vegan vegetarian raw food diet and not only for just like those that are super into it due to the wellness of the animals but now you're seeing like high performing individuals like ultra marathon endurance athletes people like you and i that work out religiously being able to like not just like maintain but like really go at it with that I think it's interesting and I think the the quality of that food just the couple of foods you mentioned like the flax seeds and the hemp seed and uh, loading it up with cow and spinach and sweet potato like if you get good quality food like you need less of it it's just like that's just the way it is you don't need as much if you're eating the good quality so that's that's cool to see that you're you're able to sustain doing that and um i think that's a fun way and then all the cool recipes that you make that i'm trying to emulate i can't get them to be instagram worthy yet but uh there i'm getting there like the baking stuff and i love doing vegan baking um and i think that's such an interesting way to get people to try it uh Creating like an avocado-based brownie or something like that. People are like, "What?" Uh, I think that's just fun to to get people involved from a dessert perspective because it's easier to get someone to try something sweet, and then you can like weave them into the zucchini pastas and the lentil pastas and stuff like that. So that's just a tactic yeah. that I use. Yeah, it's
0: so true. Learn with the dessert. Yeah, um, and it's funny too because I, I think I think I think I eat a, I eat a pretty. I have like the cool vegan chickens or vegan cheeses like if I do I'll make them myself and you know it's like really just like plants and it's very basic which can be boring but then I think I've probably experimented with more fruits and vegetables than most people will in their lifetime like I'm just thinking about the different plants that I've tried because I've gone vegan like Jerusalem artichoke like candy cane beets watermelon radish they're totally weird vegetables that I would not have known existed if I wasn't focused on eating vegetables. You yeah. know what
1: I mean? Yeah. I th- that, that's also, I love that. I like every time I go to the grocery store, I have to try, I pick up one new vegetable uh, and just like <laughs> figure out how to make it. Like, do I saute this? Do I eat it raw? Do I throw it with a bunch of guacamole? Like, what am I going to do? And I think that's just a fun way. I'm very same way with just creating colorful plants on a plate and revolving it around the nutrition from there. Um, One question we love to ask everybody, and and you've been so open and it's great, is our motto at Live Better is to have the best day ever every single day. And you've already explained kind of like how that's possible, and it's through doing it through yourself, not letting external factors weigh on you. If someone cuts you off in traffic, it's on you to just say, oh, they're having a bad day or they're rushing their wife to the hospital to have their kid. Like, that's that's on you to just be like, this is fine. Um, So we love to ask if you could wake up tomorrow and do anything uh that's possible so you can't go to six different countries in one day but if you could do anything tomorrow what would it look like for your best day ever
0: um i think i would actually start off my i mean i think i would kind of do a day that's very similar to what my days look like now which is crazy to think about because i guess i've just become really focused in on making sure that the way I spend my time is how I'd like to spend my time. Um, so I guess I would start off my day, like watching the sunrise. That's one of my favorite things to do. And just making sure that I actually get outside and get that vitamin D, but also just breathe fresh air and like move. Yeah. I think that's what makes most of my good days really good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's fantastic. I love, love hearing that, uh, that you've created a life that you can just wake up tomorrow and just going to be the best because you're doing what it is that you want to do um so where can people find out about you um i know we mentioned your instagram but uh instagram website anything else that you have out there so that people can check you out um get some good recipes and follow along on your journey
0: so, yeah, my Instagram is my main focus. Um, it's at Veggiekins. And then most of my recipes are linked on my blog. And then some content about, like, sobriety articles about, like, travel hacks that we also kind of discussed today. That's on my website, which is Veggiekinsblog.com. I also do YouTube, which is just kind of, like, recipe videos and travel blogs, kind of random content, really. <laughs> and that's also Veggiekins. Um, and then I have Pinterest. But, you know, I kind of just, like, post things there from all the other platforms. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> Where did that Name come from?
0: Oh, it's really funny because there's really no meaning to it at Love all, it. and people are so disappointed when I tell them that.
1: <laughs> you got to make up the story.
0: <laughs> I my personal Instagram account, like way a long time ago, was my nickname, which is kins and I needed to think of something on the spot. So actually, my Instagram used to be Ugly Zucchini, like really, really long time ago when it was private, um, and I just had to come up with something better than that on the spot. So I was like, okay. Veggiekins will be kind of funny because my friends will know it's me, but, like, it's vegan, you know, so I thought it was funny, and then now it's, like, kind of too late to change it, so yeah.
1: I'm just
0: like stuck yeah. with it. Stuck people with it. kind of make up things for me. They'll be, like, oh, it's, like, veggie plus, like, kin, like, family, right? I'm, like, no, but
1: <laughs> sure. that is really cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Well, we uh, just want to thank you for shedding um, your story and giving us some time to chat. I think what you're doing is great. You're just spreading so much good energy out into the world. And um, obviously, people are taking notice. So keep doing what you're doing. Um, next time we're in New York, we'll hit you up for sure. We can get a workout and make some cool dinners or something. It'd be super fun. Um, just want to say thank you so much um, at first, for spending some time today.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun. Definitely let me know when you're in New York. Send me a Google Calendar invite, and I'll be there.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Have the best day ever.
0: All right. Thanks so much. Bye.
1: Sweet.